It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast, and I'm Crispin Schroeder, pastor of North Shore Vineyard. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Sunday morning service on June 6th in downtown Covington. And on this message, you'll actually get a break from hearing me speak because we have a guy in our congregation named Josh McIntyre who is going to be talking on the subject of stewardship today. So you're in for a good treat. Don't forget to check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org for resources and various things that our church is involved in. We hope you enjoy this. Thanks for listening. I've got a message here on stewardship that I want to review. And at the end, I'm going to have like a Q&A session, kind of like you guys did with Crispin a couple of weeks ago. So while you're listening to the message, if you would, this is I want everybody to kind of participate here. If you could think of a couple of challenges or questions or successes you've had with finances, and if you wouldn't mind sharing it with everybody after. We'll take a few minutes, depending on how quickly we get to the message, seeing how much time we have to kind of share those stories. But just think about some questions, concerns, or successes that you'd like to share with everybody. So um, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm in pharmaceutical sales. So my job is pretty much requires me to travel a lot. I go and talk to doctors about why they should use my products over my competitors. I'm on the road quite a lot. But about once a year, we have a meeting where we get together nationally. And it's a way for us to kind of organize and everybody get on the same page. And recently, our CEO, who's been the CEO of our, our company for about 30 years, did something pretty unconventional. At, during the meeting, he called up three managers on the stage, and he said, listen, guys, I'm going on a sabbatical. I've been working really, really hard for the last 30 years. I need to take a break. While I'm gone, I'm going to give the first manager, I'm going to give him a $10 million account, and I want you to do with it what you think is best while I'm gone. And then he brought up the second manager and said, I'm going to give you a $5 million account and do what you think is best with that account. And then he brought up the third and gave him a $2 million account. And he did the same thing. So he wrapped up the speech, and he kind of walked off stage. And while he was gone, the managers got to work. So the first manager really got reorganized. He took the sales force and cut expenses and decided that he was going to go in a completely different direction with this account. And over the course of a year, he doubled it to $20 million. And the second manager came on, and this is the one who had $5 million. And he did some reorganization and decided that he was going to interact with the customer in a different way. So he took his sales reps and had them trained to interact in a totally new manner. And he was able to double that account, so brought it up to $10 million. And the third manager did nothing out of fear. He kind of just sat on it and really didn't grow it. He just wanted to maintain it. So a year later... The manager comes back and has a meeting with three of them, and he pulls them in the room, and he says, first one, you know, first manager, what'd you do? And he said, well, I doubled the money. He said, very good. Gave him a promotion. You're, you're a vice president now. Brought up the second manager. He said, second manager, how did you do? He said, well, you gave me $5 million, and it wasn't $10 million, but I was still able to double it. He said, great, good job. Brought up the third one. He said, well, tell me how you did. He said, well, I didn't do anything. I, I really, you know, you guys are such shrewd businessmen. And I've seen how you can take nothing and make it into something. Well, I just had a fear, and uh, it really just froze me in my tracks, and I couldn't make any decisions or do anything with the money you'd given me. And he said, you didn't do anything? You mean you didn't even put it in a bank account? You didn't even earn me any interest? He said, no, I didn't. Well, you're fired. So he fired the first – he promoted the first two and fired the second one. So 
if y'all don't realize this is this is really is not true. This is this is more of a parallel of a story Jesus used on stewardship. It was basically from Matthew twenty five fourteen through thirty, when he gave the pences to each one of the master gave the pences to his servants and told them to go out and prosper with that money. Um, so this is just a modern day parallel to that story. So nobody got fired. Don't worry. <laughs> so. Um, what we kind of we need to think about here is one of the first questions is whose money is it anyway that God gives? You know, God blesses each and every one of us here with a certain amount of gifts. And first off, we're in America, right? So we, we, we should feel ultimately grateful to have all the gifts we do exponentially beyond any other country in the history of the world. So we ha- everybody here is rich in the world standards, right? We agree? All right. Um, but at the same time, he gives us money, and we work really hard for that money. We, we do a good job, and, and we have to ask the first question is, whose money is it anyway? And most people would say, well, I've never really asked that question because it's pretty obvious. I'm the one that goes to work every day. I'm the one that brings home the paycheck. It's my money, right? And, and that's a challenge for a lot of us. Um, with, with stewardship, it's kind of a question of, these, this is, is, is this a blessing from God? Is this his money or is it my money? And, and what am I going to do with it? And that kind of sets the paradigm for how we're going to treat the blessings he gives us. So a personal story. Um, you know, I grew up, my, my father instilled a, a strong work ethic in me, and he taught me to save. And he did that in a smart way. We lived in a neighborhood on the South Shore that was full of lots. And all my neighbors, the kids, they all had four-wheelers. And they got to ride them around the neighborhood, and my brother and I didn't. We, didn't, we had our bicycles, and everybody else had four-wheelers. And so what my dad did was he decided to set a goal really high for my brother and I. And we were probably 10, 12 year old, 10 or 12 years old at the time. And what he did was he bought a four-wheeler and put it in the garage. And he paid $800 for the four-wheeler. And he says, that's my four-wheeler, boys. You like it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Can't, we can't wait to ride it. He said, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. That's my four-wheeler. If you would like to ride my four-wheeler, then you're going to have to pay for half of it. So he set a goal at a very young age of saving and being good stewards of our monies. And, you know, I would go out and do whatever I could, weed gardens at 10 years old or wash cars or save up the money. My goal was to save up half of half. So $200 was my goal. And it took me six months, and my dad never budged from that. That four-wheeler sat in the garage for six months. And you know what? I got my $200 before my older brother did. (laughs) So you can imagine you know, seeing me ride around the neighborhood. Um, it's a true story. And from that point forward, I really understood money and what it meant to sacrifice. Because as a 10-year-old or 11-year-old, you, you have this money, it tends to burn, burn a hole in your pocket, right? Can some of us admit to that doing that, doing that today, right? And so he taught me a very good lesson at that point in time. So I really do appreciate what he's given me in that regard. So back to the story, you know, when we look at our lives and, and the blessings, uh, we can look at like two things. One, whose money is it? And if, if it is God's money, how do I use it to more bless him and his purpose on this earth? So what God actually, what Jesus actually meant in the story, he actually called that, that individual who did nothing in the story wicked and lazy. Does that surprise y'all? It kind of did me. It took me back a little bit because I would say, well, this person was just scared. But God was basically saying that it's, it's wicked and lazy not to do good with his money. And, and that was the, the kind of the message that he wanted to take home there. Um, and all of us in, in our lives are given different measures of gifts from God, right? You know, Mary, who just led worship here, she's definitely gifted in music. If I were to be up here, 
um, you know, I think there'd probably be about half as many people in the audience now if I were leading worship. Very much a challenge here, my vocal vocal standpoints. But he's given given me a good understanding of finances, and uh, I feel like he's he's given me a true blessing in that regard. But also, he gives you a call to response because just as in the story of the, of the managers. It, it was what they were given, but also what they did with that money. Remember the first two, they went out and they took risk and they reorganized and they worked hard and they were able to bring back more to God uh, or to their master at the time. So being a good steward of the money takes two things, the blessing and being wise with your money. So how do we do this? You know, we say, okay, well, I realize that what I have is a gift from God and I want to do good with that. So how do we, give me some practical ways. What can we do? to be better with our money. And that's what I want to kind of talk about. I'm going to give you all some examples of some things, and then maybe we can have a conversation of some ideas that we have. So the first is to live simply, right? You know, in America, we've gone to credit, right? And I don't know, any, anybody in here listen to Dave Ramsey? Ever heard of Dave Ramsey? He's a very popular financial Christian advisor, and uh, he's pretty raw with his callers that call in. I mean, he when people call in, he doesn't try to soften the blow, and he really kind of meets them where they are, which is he's, he's honest. And he, you ask for his feedback, and he's going to give it to you. So one thing in America we've learned, when our grandparents were, were growing up, they wanted something. They wanted a couch or a tractor or a car. What did they do? Save. That's right. What do we do today? Charge it. That's right. So, you know, way back when, they, the only thing they probably would have charged way back when was maybe a house or a farm, right? They would have gone to the bank and gotten a loan. Other than that, they saved until they had the money. They walked until they had the money to buy the car. And today, we've seen that the, the items get smaller and smaller and smaller that we're willing to finance. And, you know, to the, you're basically, the slave is, is the debtor here in this situation. And, and God speaks about that in the Bible, about getting free from that. And so now we're at the point where if I want a Coke, I'll, I'll charge it, you know. And, and not only is that, you know, maybe something that's impulsatory where I wouldn't have otherwise bought it had I not had that credit card. But now I owe somebody that money plus interest, plus all my other bills that pile up. So living simply is, is a good, um, good goal to have. How do we do that? Distinguish your wants from your needs, right? Give me an example of a need. Who has a need in here? Roof. Roof. Uh, food, and water. food and water. Okay. It's pretty basic things. Now give me a want. Mercedes. Mercedes. That's right. Not only does he, does he want a car, but he wants a Mercedes. <laughs> And new games is some new toys, new clothes. The cable, the cable is not a need. <laughs> some would argue with me, but it's not a need. Uh, so we look at it, we got to look at our lives very critically and say, what is, what's a want and what's a need? And don't, don't get me wrong, I have cable. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody go out and get rid of your cable, but I'm saying, you know, sometimes it takes looking at your finances in a critical eye. Um, so distinguishing your wants from your needs. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, we all have propensity to do that, all right? You're, you know, you're somebody at work gets a new computer, you get a new computer. My computer was working fine. Neighbor gets an iPod. I like the iPod. It's really nice. I, I think I need to get an iPod now. Neighbor has a new swing set. I need to get the new swing set. So we see how keeping up with the Joneses 
can can kind of cause us to spend more money than we might ordinarily ordinarily spend. And trust me, you don't want to be the Joneses because the Joneses are typically going to be in debt themselves, right? So let's uh, we actually have a video on the Joneses. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house in a great community. Like my car, it's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help. So, you know, that could describe, you know, uh, the general theme of America. Now, I think since the recession or whatever they're calling it now um, hit, you know, we've seen some people start to revert back to savings and getting back to the core values. And, but at the same time, it's hard. You say, I want to be a good steward of my money, but I'm in debt. How do I get out of debt? Um, and that's one of the things that we'd like to help you with a little bit. You know, you, you, you'll hear, I continually drive down the road. And I hear these people saying, get out of debt, get rid of your mortgage. You know, I'm going to show you how to do this, this, and this. It's no secret. There's no secret formula to getting out of debt or no secret formula to saving more. It's pretty simple. And I'll give you an example of, of a budget. Um, and we'll kind of walk through the power of a budget in a minute. Um, and then the next thing is, how many people in here would like to give more? Just by a show of hands. Give more. Give more. So, you know, and that's a challenge. How do you give more when you don't have the money? Right? Let's. How many people would like to be in that situation where they could give more? Obviously, yes. I see that. But let's get you there. So how do we do that? One of the situations is kind of looking fine-tuning at your own budget and your own finances. Um, giving is important. You know, it's it's one of those things that I think makes us all feel better. There's been times in my life where I've given, and there's been times in my life where I haven't given. And I've always felt like God's blessed me more when I'm giving. And that's not the reason why you give. But I've seen that in my life, the differences of not just financial blessings, but blessings in general. Um, and actually, Crispin mentioned something uh, a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, about giving, giving a chance. Y'all remember what that was? It's basically, it's a money-back guarantee, where if you commit to give a certain amount for over three months, after three months, if you're not happy, more happier than when you were before you start giving to the church, then he'll give you all your money back. So it's a kind of a risk-free trial, I guess you'd say, on giving. <laughs> so, um, and the next thing is seeking counsel. You know, sometimes when when we're having trouble with our finances, um, it can be really hard to look at the finances. You know, if there's if it's if it's a train wreck, you may not want to look very deeply into that issue because it doesn't make you feel good, and it's kind of hard to look critically at that. So if you have any questions or concerns, always seek counsel from a professional or a friend, somebody who's good with money. Um, you can, at the end of this, there's, uh, I think on your uh, handouts, there's my email address. If you have any questions, you're more than welcome to email me. Uh, I, I'm not a financial planner, uh, but I, I do understand money and how money works in the general census, so I might be able to kind of walk you through some things. I, I've helped some people, family members, and friends with some of these things in the past. And it is, again, there's no magic trick to it. It's just simple. We sit down and kind of go through a budget and, and, and look over what's coming in versus what's going out. Um, and then also, if you're trying to save more, you can do one of two things. You can earn more money or you can spend less, right? Uh, you can always try to earn more money. Be creative. You know, Think of what you can do. Where, do, where are your skills? How could you put that into a, a situation where you could actually make some money. You know, cutting an extra yard on the side, picking up a second job, a weekend job, you know, that can get your money 
flow coming in a little bit better. But also on the reverse side, spending, obviously, we're going to talk about budgetary issues. Um, and, and the general rule is what we like to, li- what we like to live by is the 80-10-10. Does anybody know what the 80-10-10 is? What is that? There you go. There you go. Man, you guys are very interactive. I love this. <laughs> you know, the more y'all talk, the less I have to talk, so it's real easy. <laughs> so um, now on, on the budget side, uh, how many people here have, just by show of hands, have created a budget? Household budget. Okay. All right. So we've got a, probably about uh, a third to a quarter of, of the individuals here that have a budget. Was that budget easy to make? No. No, it wasn't. Was it even harder to live by? So I kind of picture a budget in my head. You can make the budget, but actually living the budget is like building the Taj Mahal. I mean, it's a very big task to take on. And I can tell you, I very rarely hit my budget. In a, given, in a given year, I have a budget every month that I, that I try to hit, and I'm very rarely hitting that budget because there's always something that comes up, right? There's always those one-time-a-year thing, one things that come up, the tires on the car, a sick kid, a, a gift, whatever it is. It's, oh, it's just this one-time thing, which you've got to actually plan for some of that along the way. So budgets can be very difficult to live by. Um, budgets, you know, it's important to have a budget because it's a target, Right. If you don't have a budget, you don't have a target, you're certainly never going to hit anything. And that's what a budget is. It's an outline or a target. Not that you've got to be exact, but you know, you have you make $100 a month, that's your income. It's you, you can plan that and then you subtract out what do we know we're going to have incur every month? We're going to have rent or we're going to have a mortgage. We're going to have an electricity bill. We're going to have some consistent bills like a, a cell phone or a cable bill, something that doesn't vary, and you put those fundamental uh, cornerstones into your budget and then you're going to have some variables right and you plan for those variables you say well in a given month on the average of the last year I've spent you know out of the hundred dollars that I earned a month I've spent three of those dollars uh, on incidentals that just pop up whether it's fixing the car or fixing something out in the house and that's how you build your budget so you come up with what you know you're absolutely positive about and you put in the on the on the expense and the revenue side and then you build in those variables and that way, you have an idea of what you're going to come in with at the end, whether it's $5 left out of that $100 or $3, you're going to know and you're going to hit that budget or you're more likely to hit that goal. So uh, Dave Ramsey has a wonderful book. It's called The Total Money Makeover. Has anybody ever read that book? All right. What did you think about it? Yeah. Was it, was it pretty challenging? Yeah, it, it, it does. When my, when my wife and I first got married – um, I, I, first off, I was raised by a very financially conservative father, um, and I learned a lot of the principles that Dave Ramsey talks about. But uh, my wife and I, we were kind of raised differently on finances. And um, when we got married, somebody gave us a gift, and it was that book. And on the inside of the book, they wrote, this will change your life. And it did, because what we did was we bought this book, a very simple read, and we went through it a chapter a night together. And uh, and I don't know if you've ever tried to build the Taj Mahal by yourself, but it's a whole lot easier to build it with a second person. And that'd be your spouse if you have one. So that's something to make sure that if you're going to read it, you both get on the same page and read it. And he's got some challenges. I mean, it probably took me five years to accept some of the things that he asked you to do in there. Uh, but even if you're only 
kind of hitting on a few of the things. You know, he's very much a no debt type of person, a no credit type of person. He, his credit zero, he'll tell you, is zero. Now, this is somebody who was totally in debt. He was millions of dollars in debt. When people call in and say, I'm $300,000 in debt, he's, he says, that's nothing. I've done that with zeros on the end. You know, so he's, he's been there and back, and he shares a story with you. So this isn't a Dave Ramsey sermon, but it's just another resource that's out there for you guys. So um, I guess at this time, if, if anybody has a success or a question or a concern about finances, it's always good to kind of share amongst your cohort. So. Yeah, that's a great question. Yes, yes, and that and that's that's a real good good point there because you can create the budget if you never look at it, it's not going to do a thing for you. You have to live the budget on a monthly basis. So a budget, you know, in my mind, and this isn't I don't always do it the right way, but ideally, what I would like to do with my budget is put it up on the wall, share it with my family, say this is the goal, and then intermittently throughout the month check and see how we're doing. How much money do we have left? in this folder you know we, we pull out cash from miscellaneous every month and i know if it's gone because i go to the little envelope and there's no more money left so if i'm if i'm halfway through the month and i go to, uh to the folder and there's no money left i know we're over budget at that point in time but it's really kind of checking yourself along the way so a good rule of thumb is to build a budget and then check it at the end of every month and see how you did and you can see the difference Right, and then you can adjust, and it takes a couple of months to adjust and build a budget. You can't build a budget in one month because you know your goals and aspirations may be great, but reality is a, a different thing. But what it helps you do is realize where you're deficient in certain areas, and you can adjust in those areas and squeeze. You know, there's you know only so many dollars on everybody's paycheck. You, you're best appropriating that money. And it's basically giving a plan to your money, not letting your money happen to you, but you controlling your money. So, good question. Does that answer it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, so he's planning for the unexpected or the yearly expenses on a monthly basis. So he's saying, you know, my property taxes are $1,200 a year. I'm going to put $100 a month into this folder. I'm not going to touch it. So when property taxes come due at the end of the year, I've got it taken care of. And he does that for every different part of his life. And, and that's a budget. That's living a budget. And, and that's not easy to do. 
because uh, how do you organize? You know, sometimes your money goes into one bank account and you don't have 15 different bank accounts. Well, you keep track of that on your sheet of paper on your budget. So. Yeah, that's great. Good success. Thank you. Go to Brian first. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's called a I love money, I love credit score is your FICA score. Uh, yeah, that's a good question because if you don't want to use credit, how do you build credit? So when you when it comes time to buy these things, um, Dave Ramsey actually has a network of lenders that don't base it off the FICA score. They'll loan to you not based off of that. But what I'll tell you what I did. I've never lived on credit either, but I can tell you what happened with me was I opened up a credit card. Credit card, your FICA score is based on history. Right, successful history, not having any marks against you. So what I did in college, I opened up a credit card, used it, I bought groceries once with it, paid it off, and left it open for six years. And so during that time, I had when I went to go get a loan for my house, I had a six-year credit history that was good. And I never used credit, but and, that, and that's a good point because you do need credit at some point in time uh, for the right things. You know, um, anybody ever read Rich Dad Poor Dad? You know. He, the author in there talks about buying assets versus liabilities. He says he never finances a liability. Liability is anything that depreciates in value. An asset would be defined as something that grows in value. So if you follow that rule of thought, you would not want to finance a car, but you would finance a house because a house would go up in value versus the value of that car would depreciate, but your payment would always be the same. So, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's number 972 on the list. Sure.
Yeah. Yeah, well, somebody's willing to pay for it. Right. Yeah. And so, so the bank has it uh, listed on their books at six seventy five, and you have it listed on the market for five hundred, and you're not getting a tick on it. Um, yeah. Well, l- let me. Yeah, and those are some good points. You know, as far as the blessings, receiving the blessings. You know, obviously, you can look at look at uh, where the where the world wants to come financially. You know, America is very blessed. It's the land of opportunity where a lot of people come with nothing in their pocket and can can make a lot of themselves. Um, on the economic downturn, obviously, yes, you know, your income is going to be affected by you know it being not a necessity in somebody's life. Um, and the financing on the house, I guess I, maybe uh, there's two different views on the home. The home is a necessity. I mean, you've got it. You've either got to have a place to live, renting or owning or, or some setup. So, um, yeah, as long as you're not looking at as, I guess you couldn't look at your own personal home as as a as an investment, but more of a need. Um, you know, and yeah, you know, certainly assets go up and down in value all the time. So. I think uh, I think a lot of people have been caught in different parts of the uh, financial downturn. Whether you know, my industry has been contracting for seven years, and another another company just laid off five thousand people last week. So there's risk in anything we do, um, especially in the economic downturn. So I think it's best just at the plan accordingly. You know, living living below your means, not at your means or above your means. Uh, saving for that rainy day. Um, looking around how you could be more prosperous because i think god wants to bless us so we can bless his church right and if we're in a financial struggle then we're less able to help other people and i think that's the take-home message here that uh, we want to be good stewards of god's money so we can go and bless others and not that anything i'm saying is gospel because it's not don't get me confused a lot of what i'm saying is what i've learned over the years and i look young but I, i do feel like god has blessed me with a good financial understanding a good fundamental basic conservative value on on finances so I think it's just something that we've got to kind of look at. Sometimes we, we don't want to look at our finances or our financial situation, and us digging a little bit deeper will sometimes help clear the air a little bit. So, What else? <laughs> please, please go. <laughs> Yes, very good point. Very good point. Josh, could you touch on uh, going from a really nice income to like half? Yeah, yeah, well, (laughs) gee, that's easy to do. (laughs) No, well, you know, certainly we... We can't plan for everything, right? And uh, that would be on the income side or the revenue side of our budget. When it gets cut in half, certainly adjustments need to be made. And a lot of times it's, it's hard adjustments, um, and it can be life-changing adjustments. So income gets cut in half. Um, we can do one of two things. We can find another way to, to make money or make more money or we can cut our expenses, but we can't live in that deficit. We, we certainly can't live in that def- deficit uh, indefinitely, right? So th- that is a challenge. 
and and if that's something you want to talk with me later on we could talk about specifics on uh, some things that we might be able to look at and do again i don't have all the answers and i'm I'm not saying i I do but sometimes it's good just to sit down with somebody and talk it over and look at the numbers and put them on paper because a lot of times when i find i talk to people i ask them about the budget and i find that they have not done that yet they haven't gotten to that point where they know exactly what all their expenses are and uh, what their income is going to be. And that's the first thing we do. We sit down and we talk, and I, and I ask them to come back with, with what – or we'll work it out right there of what their budget is. It's, you know, pluses and minuses. So is that, is that where you – Yeah, that's pretty much. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And and this is granted, this topic is not an easy topic to talk about. Somebody's gonna get upset and somebody's gonna be offended by some of the questions or answers we have in here, and that's just a reality because it's money, it's sensitive, sometimes it's very personal. Um, and I just think sometimes talking about some of these things can help some people out. So, yeah, case in point, that's uh, a big change in your life. And it, obviously you guys adjusted, but maybe there's some more adjustments. And, um, you know, Dave, I, I listen to Dave Ramsey a lot. And not that he is, you know, he's a Christian, not that his word is biblical, but he's got some very good common sense questions. I'll tell you one case in point, when people call in to tell you that he's in debt, the first thing he asks about is their, what kind of cars they drive. And you can imagine people who have very nice cars, who are used to those nice cars, and they also have a nice payment to go with it, but um, they get very defensive. You know, and some people get angry and say, well, we're not going to do that. And he says, well, don't call my show. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I have a, a – my brother's father-in-law will, will say, oh, I don't like that. He tells people to sell their, their cars and get rid of their debt and then buy a clunker and, you know, drive a $2,000 car, and they're going to break – their wives are going to break down on the side of the road. And I, and I say, well, that's not the case. It's not long-term that he's saying to make a sacrifice. It's make a sacrifice, like Al said, until he has enough money to buy that car. So let's say you have a car payment that's 400 I think the average today – from smart money is $467 a month is what the average car payment is. So if you were able to sell that, and a lot of times you can't because you owe more than it's worth, just like the house. But if you were to take a loan out, take, take and pay that bank off and sell the car and you're even scrape together a couple hundred bucks, 1500 bucks and buy a car. Imagine paying yourself that $467. How long would it take you to save up three grand for a car? buy a little bit nicer of a car but yet you owe it you don't own the bank anything and you do that over and over again and you drive that three thousand dollar car for three years during that time always paying yourself four hundred and sixty seven dollars a month your bank account will grow enough to where you'll be able to buy a nicer and a nicer car as you go along and breaking down the side of the road won't be an issue anymore so we're not talking about long-term sacrifices forever there's actually a means to the end here which is sacrifice today for the benefit of tomorrow just like our grandparents always did so. any more questions
All right. Well, you had some good questions. I really do appreciate y'all letting me come up here and talk about this today. And, and again, this is, this is a hard subject for everybody to talk about, so I appreciate everybody's honesty here. So if y'all would join me in a word of prayer here. Dear Lord, we thank you for all your many blessings that you've given to us, Lord. And we just ask you to speak throughout the week to us on this message and just speak to us and let us know how to be better stewards of your money, Lord, and so that we might bless your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.